You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts here with my friend and co-host, as always, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great, Wendy. How are you doing? You're looking good. Thanks. I it's it's a beautiful day, and I love this topic. Any of you yes. guys that listen to us on NASM Performance, Marty Miller and I talk all things performance, and this is kind of in our wheelhouse. So today we are going to be talking about load management and planning for the long haul. Really looking at load management for professional athletes. And so, Ken, I think it's important to start off talking when we talk about load management, there are so many different ways, especially within our realm of fitness, that people can define that. So why don't you start us off with the definition of what load is and what (laughs) we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes on this episode. All right. So I'm going to basically read, there was an article written in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, and the discussion was about... um, workload management, but, and we'll go into how this topic came about, but just to kind of set the, you know, set the expectations on what load management is. Um, Basically, when you talk about load, right, that that the sports and non-sport burden, single or multiple physiological, psychological, or mechanical stressors as a stimulus that is applied to the human biological system um, including subcellular elements, a single cell tissue, one or multiple organ systems of the individual. So basically it's a simple way to put it when I should have just said it this way. It's just stress, right? <laughs> so it's just physical, mental, emotional stress. So again, stress can comes in different forms, right? Physical and psychological, but stress upon the body. And when we're talking about load management, we are just managing the stress on an in, in in this for this conversation's sake in on the athlete or even we can take a broader scope on the team when it comes to competitive practice and play yeah and i think it's important that we discuss the differences too about internal and external loads so obviously if you are dealing with professional athletes you're thinking about travel you're thinking about competition you're thinking about practices if you i mean depending on obviously the sport that that how many games in a row and you're going to think about life events that's something that seems nobody really thinks about that as well as the travel time and then when we're thinking about more of the internal load we're talking about how our body's responding to that how are we sleeping how are we eating how are we feeling and what's happening to our body internally so there's two different ways of looking at it and i think especially as as a a coach or a trainer working with some of these athletes, I am so laser focused on what's happening on the external side because my job is to make them move better, perform better and excel in their sport. So I want to look at their body. I want to look at movement and I want to make sure that they're lifting heavy or they're moving fast, whatever it is. And sometimes you forget about the internal load when in all reality, there needs to be a really good integration and a really good ratio between what they're doing on the court, in sport, at home, and at rest. Right, and it's that. And here's the thing: if you're listening to us here on Random Fit, we are talking about load management and the professional athlete. So, Wendy, you you listed off a bunch of things that go into the calculation of how much stress someone's body's experiencing. Um, 
and you know for those of you that you know if you're not in the professional or the olympic level realm even think about your high school or even junior high school athletes right and wendy i know you've worked with baseball and you know the the level at which i'm working with baseball players today is more at the high school level you know so if you're not with your your baseball player in the winter where you're just ramping them up um once baseball season hits, they're having games on Tuesdays, they're having games on weekends, you know, tournaments on weekends, and all of that is on top of homework, right? <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're sitting in school, you're, you maybe you have a paper due, uh, you have a test, uh, you have homework, and then you have practice, and then you have play. So all of those things, I mean, to put it in context to what we might more often see, um, is that you have the physical stress of the sport, but you also have the mental stress of academics. So again, those the, all those points that you brought up, Wendy, that they, there's different contexts or they can be framed differently as well as far as the, the mental, emotional, and the physical um, stresses that you're going to go through. Well, when you first mentioned this topic, I'm like, there's so many different ways people talk about that. They talk about a chronic load versus, you know, when we're talking about chronic, that's like over time and how much accumulative work you're doing or acute, that's the short-term amount of work and what's the ratios and what's the differences. And, and it's sometimes we just make it super complicated. It's, we need to look at each individual as that individual instead of as a team. However, I know, Ken, you had just recently talked a little bit about basketball and yeah. you were like, let's do an episode on that because, and you started rambling off all of these different points <laughs> about, you know, I, everything from getting back onto the court, their travel, everything. So when we're talking about the points that you were rattling off, why don't you tell our listeners what you told me? Because I think it actually puts it in perspective. Well, I, I think, you know, I think. I guess to start off the conversation is so if you're like me, you know, if I if I have a chance to watch a basketball game from beginning to end, which is very rare and let alone watch it with friends, uh, I, I think one of the things that you'll hear the announcers talk about maybe, you know, in a, in a you know, throughout the broadcast is uh, load man. The term will come up and Wendy, that that's where it's like, hey, we should talk about load management. But when I when you look it up, one of the first um, episode or one of the first games it was talked about and actually there was some controversies during the 12 2012 season when um coach popovich rested three of his key players i think uh, san antonio was playing miami at the time and he rested ginobili parker and duncan right three of their key players they sat and the the case was load management he wanted to manage stress on the players because it is an 82 game season. And if we're talking about getting into the playoffs and with the big picture in mind, going to the championship, you can play up to another, if you go up to game sevens, up to another 28 games in the postseason. So that's when the controversy started. And I think they were fined something like $250,000 for resting the players because you had the fans were upset, you know, they, they wanted to see, you know, Parker Ginobili and Tim Duncan, but they didn't play. I think, I think that's, that was the kind of the spark that, that lit the flame for the controversy of load, load management. But when you talk about it today, in today's game, 
that's not uncommon. It's actually, you see relatively healthy players just taking a day off. You know, maybe they won't travel, right? They get to sleep in their own bed. Um, they, they don't have to sleep in a hotel. They, they save themselves some, themselves the trip uh, on the on the plane. So there's a lot to be said uh, uh, to that point. But, you know, when you have games back-to-back, -back, a Tuesday and a Wednesday, going back-to-back -back with, you know, less than 24 hours uh, from tip-off to, to the final um, to, to the final basket, you know, that can be very stressful when you're talking about some of these players running up to two, two and a half miles, right, if if they're playing a lot of minutes. So there's a lot of stress on the running. Um, they sit out when possible. So just games where, again, we're talking about, in this case, they're in load management, they're not injured, right? <laughs> they're relative, yeah, they're relatively healthy. They're just trying to avoid being hurt and actually lasting longer or even maximizing their performance when they do play. And then, like I kind of mentioned before, the, the other point about load management that a lot of people may not see uh, or realize what's happening, they, you know, the fans get upset when if they want to see LeBron or they want to see whoever their favorite player is and they don't show up um, because of load management, people get upset, especially when you're talking about a $60 plus uh, game ticket that you might have had to take the day off for or you've had to travel and that's hotel and all that. So it's more than just a ticket as to why some fans would be upset. Well, I don't know if you guys to, saw this, yeah. but I love, and I, I want to put this out there, letting everyone know, I'm a huge Charles Barkley fan. I love him. I've worked with him. He was part of the Suns when I was working with the Suns doing some of their stuff. And I find him just fascinating, but I also find him to be very real. And just recently, he was on television and he was going over with Shaq and, and the crew when he was doing, um, I don't remember what game it was that, that they were discussing, but it was about that. It wasn't necessarily about load management. He was on the other side about this is our job. We get paid a lot of money to do a sport that we love and we get to play the game of basketball. And there are so many fans that did just what you said. They paid a lot of money for a ticket and mm -hmm. you have to sit down and say to Charles's point, this is your job. I have to get up, you know, some people have to get up every single day at a certain time and they get in their car and they have a nine to five or nine to eight or nine to whatever, because the hours seem to get it longer in technology to make their money. And then they have to come home and they have family when some of these other individuals getting paid way more money, maybe what they get paid in one, one year is more than I'll ever make in my lifetime to play a game. However, on the other side, when you're looking at athletic trainers, you're looking at the statistics and you're doing what we're talking about, load management, it makes sense to have these players sit out. So it's one of those things. Are we looking at it as a job? And are you really trying to support the team and you're trying to win these games and you're allowing all of these fans that are spending a ton of money buying your gear, actually making giving you the life you want to live, making a ton of money? Or do you really think, okay, you know what, load management it's really, if we don't manage it correctly, that's when injury can occur. And are you willing to pay the price for that? And that's what's hard because, and that's what the controversy is about. Right. And I can see both sides because I do think that that is, that is their job. They need to get out there. However, they also need to think, okay, how many minutes should this guy play? What did they do the night before? What kind of technology said that they're sleeping okay? And are they at risk because of the limited amount of time and the acute amount of, of minutes they're putting in? Could that lead to long-term effects? And so I'm kind of stuck in the middle. 
personally. Well, I, I I can see that one because you also, you know, doing what you do as a as a manual therapist and a, and a strength coach, personal trainer, you can tell when somebody man, you know, like when you've got your hands on them, you're like, man, this this feels like a guitar string. Obviously, you know that's that's not healthy tissue. So that when you're trying to kind of get somebody to be more mobile, but if they've just played two games in a row or three games within four days, yeah, that's, you know, that if we, if that was our regular client who doesn't get paid to play and, you know, the conversation's going to be, um, yeah, maybe we should just foam roll, stretch, activate and integrate today, right? Let's consider this a deloading day and then, you know, have a tough workout later. But like you said, Wendy, if someone's got a million dollars to, for that contract year or, you know, and that's for like games. a game. Yeah, that's a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the expectations are high, but I mean, I think part of part of that conversation is is well, there is percussion, there is vibration, there is compression. Uh, you do have manual therapists, you have physical therapists. So, the second you get off the court, unless you're doing one of those three, you're not maximizing the recovery, and you're not you're not doing what you can. That would be the criticism, right? Uh, two be prepared for the next game. So yeah, there, there is technology, but as, as we're talking about there, there's also the technology that measures, okay, this person is not at their best. When we see the data points that, that are consistent with this amount of information, they are, you know, they're going to be more likely to have some kind of issue or not be their best when they're on the court. So you have to listen to, the exercise sports science guys when it comes to things like what's your resting heart rate what's your um what's your hrv right now are you showing that you've recovered before we put you on the court because longevity in any professional sport is questionable when someone's not fully recovered well and today on random bit myself wendy bats and kim are talking about load management for professional athletes and i think it's important can everything that you've, you've said is very spot on. And there's a ton of research out there saying that if in the off season, someone is following a systematic progression, you are getting your assessments. You are going through looking at possible ways that somebody's mo movement isn't as ideal as it should be, or the range of motion isn't as great at one joint. And you spend time progressively and systematically working on something such as the NASM OPT model to get them back to their higher level then when they are going and playing these acute, you know, when I say acute, basically these bursts of game time, all out, full out, um, different types of games, and they're they're giving their all, what is the ratio of, of how much downtime do they have? And when we say downtime, I think that's also where there's kind of some misunderstanding of what that means. It doesn't mean to stop activity altogether. You and I have done multiple episodes talking about active recovery and different type of movements. Of course, for those of you guys that have known myself and my husband, we've traveled with individual players and worked on them before their games, after their games, multiple times a day, did their correctives, worked on their performance and their programming, worked with the different teams and the coaches to make sure that they stayed healthy so they could play at their all. A lot of people don't have that. However, that's the best case scenario because we all have eyes on that one particular person. If you're not in that same situation, you just want to look at your ratios. You never want to have something be you're going 
100% back to back to back and then taking three or four days off. And then because you're tired, you're fatigued, you're sore, there's DOMS, you can barely move and then you do it again. That isn't something that over time is going to lead to better physical activity and better longevity of trying to get better at that sport. It's really looking at your ratios to make sure that you're smart in your loading process that you're managing your weight, meaning the amount of load externally you're lifting, and then making sure on the internal side, you're sleeping, you're eating correctly, you're fueling your body and getting the right sources. So therefore you can maximize your time on the court or the field or whatever. I think all of that is super, super important. And when you're looking at the statistics and what they're saying, you have to make sure your coaches are also on the same page because you do need to rest. So therefore when that fan buys that ticket and you're supposed to go out there and play, your body is ready to do that. And um, I think my drop, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can end here. Uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, as a, as of this recording, I know we try to keep thing, these things evergreen. The the pack, what was the Pac-12 conference when it comes to uh, NCAA sports has gone through some changes, to say the least, where uh, basically it's disbanded to where teams have gone to I think the big 10 um, and SEC. as well as the SEC. ACC the SEC. Uh, <laughs> and the SEC, right? <laughs> so I, I think when, what's going to be really curious this fo football season, if we're talking about collegiate sports, um, not just football, right? So after the season, once they start doing the cross, it's just really weird to me that the university of California in Berkeley, Berkeley, California, would go all the way to the Atlantic coast to play a game or, or multiple games. And it's going to go both ways, right? So you have to, you know, the ACC teams that are now going to come to the West Coast because it's uh, Cal and Stanford that are part of the ACC now, right? So now you have basically this, this cross-country trips to where now it's not like if you know, when I was still at Cal as a strength coach, you know, we go down to UCLA, you know, you're talking about an hour flight, right? Same time zone, one hour flight, you're not dehydrated from the travel. Um, so you can even, you know, you can even travel that afternoon. But now if you're going to go cross country, now you're talking about leaving a day earlier than what we would have done. So which which is going to be another, another evening in a hotel. So so now that you have these cross-country flights and get to the point of load management, you sleep in a, in, a, in a different city, a different time zone, that is going to be stressful, right? You're going to have, you're going to have, you're going to see, again, this is for all sports related to those schools. Now you're going to do these cross-country trips where it, it, it was never done before um, from a regular season schedule. So I think watching load management as it's going to be applied to to collegiate sports is going to be even bigger now so i'm i'm really going to keep my eye out on okay what how are they going to perform how's their performance are they going to score as much or get scored on even more because if you're in your own time zone versus going to someone else's time zone i don't know it's just Load managers have a different definition from uh, from a collegiate or a different outlook now when it comes to the collegiate side of things, now that you're looking at cross-country travel. And that is a big, 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 big form of fatigue for some people, or yeah, stress, I'll say, for, for, for these collegiate stress. athletes. 
Back to the definition, Back whatever to stress. causes you stress, whatever the load that is internally or externally. Right. But your point, it will be interesting and things, people are still going to travel. People are still going to do things. Coaches are still going to be in their mindset, but having the correct staff, I think also one of the things we try to do is educate as many professionals out there, whether you're a coach, whether you're working as a manual therapist and trying to provide body work, whatever it is that we may be, we really need to look at this all encompassing of what are they doing on the court, off the court, at home. And it is going to vary because there are nights out, especially if they win a big game, everybody goes out and they meet, they don't make the best choices on eating and drinking. And so it does play a role in the body. However, if we look at ratios, we look at statistics, we think about all in all what we can do to keep people healthy. We really just need to look at the ratios and statistics. And then also having all of those devices to measure sleep, measure the quality of sleep, especially too, I think is really important, which yeah. we've done. We've done episodes on sleep. If you haven't checked those out, you should. And then at that point too, you know, making sure too, that somebody's looking at those stats all the time, that you don't wear the device to wear the device. You actually look at the, the, the numbers and it makes sure that the numbers are where they need to be, especially before game day. Right. And two, two measurables, especially if you're, you know, like, like, uh, like you, Wendy, I know you've got your Garmin, but on mine, I'm, I'm watching heart rate variability, right? As well as my resting heart rate. So if your resting heart rate is elevated, so this is the, at, let's say at your deepest sleep, what is the lowest that your heart rate gets throughout the day? If your lowest heart rate, so my lowest heart rate on average is about 48 or 49. I know that I'm tired, fatigued, lacking sleep, or even under exercise when my my resting heart rate bumps up into the mid 50s. And that's just telling me I need to rest more. And heart rate variability is, again, looking at your parasympathetic and seeing, okay, are you recovering from, you know, from your, I guess, the total cumulative stress? So, we definitely need to do an episode on that, but I'm not telling you my stats right now. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to share. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but something to watch, something to watch, especially yeah. if you have a wearable. I know a lot of people that have their Apple watches and they wear their garments, but, and they see it. It's cool. It's something to scroll on, on their watch, but they don't really know what to do with it. So oh. something to explore, especially when there is information that is a part of, that piece of equipment that you've made the investment in. Well, Ken, today was fun. I mean, this is yeah. definitely something that I hold near and dear to my heart because of what I do for a living. And when you mentioned it, and then we started talking about basketball, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. So thank you for coming up with the topic and for enlightening us on even more information and just, just being you, buddy. <laughs> well, we could, we could thank Coach uh, Coach Popovich in 2012 right. and sitting out Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan uh, for for starting the conversation of why are they sitting out? Uh, so uh, load management, I mean, it is now you know when you're watching a basketball game or a football game or something with professional sports, now you know what they're talking about. So, Wendy, fun as always. And for those of you listening to us here on Random Fit and listening to us here talk about load management in the professional athlete, thank you for your time and your attention. But it's always our goal to provide information, good quality information regarding fitness and you. So like, follow, subscribe, download, share, and more importantly, comment. Let us know what you want to listen to and we'll do what we can to get that topic on 
the episode, next episode of Random Fit. So until next time, everybody, take care and be well.